Straw Hut Media. As lovers and consumers of culture, it's easy to pay attention only to the glamorous parts of Hollywood. But there is a downside to all that concentrated fame and power. In the entertainment industry, that power comes with money. In social media, it comes with numbers. Over the last five years, Jordan Dow has experienced the nebulous duality of beauty and pain in Hollywood and on social media. Jordan is an actor, comedian, singer, and so much more. And he's seen a lot in this city, from the dreams to the nightmares. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. So, can you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Dow. Um, I like to think I'm a man of many talents. Um, I'm an actor, writer, influencer who influences positive things. <laughs> um, producer. Uh, I did comedy for a bit. <laughs> I sing. I do theater. Um try to do it all. I mean, you have to in this city. Growing up in Detroit, Michigan, Jordan always knew he wanted to be an actor. He spent his time on the stage doing theater and improv and was actually the youngest person to perform improv at his local comedy club. After that, he made his way to the second city in Chicago, the improv theater and school that launched the careers of people like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Bill Murray, and Stephen Colbert. Then, during his first year at Michigan State University, he came across an internship at Disneyland. And I was like, oh my God, this is my way to LA. He was accepted into the program and started working as a photo pass photographer at the Disneyland Resort. Assuming he would return to school to finish his degree after the four month program, his parents were supportive. And that's what I thought I was going to do too. I mean, I had three more years left, three and a half. Um, but all of my friends, uh, in my class were like, dude, you're not coming back. Like we know. And I'm like, no, no, I have to, like, I have to finish school. Like what, wh who are you? What? Um, and yeah, I mean that one girl that said it hate her today, but she was right. <laughs> she was right. I never, I literally, I literally called my mom. It was like a month long of trying to convince him if I, for me to stay. But, um, yeah, I remember I got a manager, an agent, a job, an apartment, all behind her back and then I pitched it to her and she was like, no, no, no. Cause I mean, you know, she, she was worried and she was like school, school, school. And I think school is very important. It just, for me at the time I was in LA meeting all these people. I saw a future for myself. And so I was like, I can't waste my time. You know, I have to, I, I have this urgency and this energy right now. Like I need to channel it while I'm here. And if it doesn't work out, I go back home. I go back to school, you know? And I, I do plan on going back to school eventually. I, I really, I, I miss learning. <laughs> um, I mean, school is not for everybody, but I do miss learning and like, it would be nice to have a degree in something. Jordan took that internship because LA is the city where stars are born. And he built up some serious momentum in just a few months. 
even though he was working long hours in Anaheim with no car. In those four months, I landed an agent, uh, a manager, and I started rocking like a big following on um, various platforms like YouTube, Vine, uh, Instagram, you know, the whole shebang. And um, yeah, from there, from there kind of just all started to like fall into place. I had a really, really excited and good team um, who were willing to find ways to help me grow. And um, with the help of them, I made this really beautiful coming out video, which I think really kind of launched me into this world of advocacy. So I then kind of, you know, with the popularity, I guess, of this video, I then kind of became a voice for the LGBTQ plus community. And uh, that I'm so honored to have been able to do that. I did not expect that to happen. Since Jordan first set foot in California five years ago, he has continued to accomplish a lot. He's done a lot of acting, both in theater and on film. I toured my own stand-up show, which was wild. I like, literally don't even know how that happened. We did it on Broadway, which is crazy. That show, Holly Weird, even earned him a nomination for a Teen Choice Award in the same category as Ellen DeGeneres and James Corden. The Teen Choice Awards were on my 21st birthday. I also got best dressed that day. It was just, it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, what is happening? Is this real? Now, in addition to acting, he sometimes hosts red carpets and interviews celebrities. And so, since LA is so film-focused, um, Especially lately, I've been really dying to get back on a stage and maybe do comedy again or do uh, musical theater or whatever. Some some way, I need to get on a stage. I, I need audience. <laughs> I need live feedback. <laughs> Another passion that Jordan is focusing on is advocacy, both for the LGBTQ plus community and for mental health. I guess I'm trying to find ways to kind of help in that sense. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just want to do everything. That's my problem. Is I literally get so many ideas and so many dreams, and I'm like, okay, how, how do I do them all? So I gotta like, I gotta like hone in on one for now. <laughs> Jordan has worked hard to carve out a career for himself in entertainment, but five years ago, he was fresh on the scene. He was young and naive. Very, very naive. Very stupidly naive. You know, I, I had to learn how the city works on my own. I was I was 19 when I moved here and there's a lot of darkness here. I mean, it's a place where dreams can come true if you hustle, but it's also a place where you can totally lose yourself. Um, and unfortunately, like too many people do. But I mean, in a, in a weird way, there's like beauty behind that because like if you can find the way back to yourself, like then you have all of life's lessons to share and i think that's kind of where i'm at you got offered porn <laughs> really quickly I, in a starbucks i think or um, a coffee bean or yes, some sort of beverage company i was like company. assaulted and literally in plain sight and was also asked to do porn and that's not even like the worst things that have happened to me <laughs> sexual assault is too prevalent in this city off the record jordan opened up about experiences that changed his perspective on the industry he described those moments as soul-crushing. Seeing the dark side of a place you've always idolized is jarring for anybody. But it was especially hard on Jordan, who grew up struggling with anxiety. I had panic attacks all the time. 
but I grew up just, I grew up just anxious and worried. Um, and, you know, growing up in high school, I definitely like grew out of it. I, I would say, and moving to LA was just such a high. I was like, this is so exciting. Like I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I would say like two, two years ago, but more specifically this past year, I was like struck with anxiety again. And in, in it, this way it happened in a very physical way. And so, um, it was something I've never felt before, uh, this or that. But what's crazy is a lot of people are saying that they're feeling the same way lately. So I'm like, is this like a generational thing? Is this like a environmental thing? What's going on? Is it social media? Like something happened in the past 10 years that are making people feel this way. There's like anxiety and depression rates are so high today. It's like quadrupled in the past 15, 20 years, which is so sad. But like, what's the cause? So I'm really, I, I love to talk about um, my struggles with mental health and, you know, because A, being honest and truthful and open about it gives it less power. And B, you know, vulnerability is the first step to healing. I mean, I think there's beauty behind sharing your story because there's, you know, the minute you share your story, there, you, you have no idea who that could help and save, you know? And I really saw a shift of when I started to open up about mine, how many people we're feeling the same exact way. And so I'm just very with, you know, with my social medias, I'm very open and very honest about what I'm dealing with and what I'm going through. And, you know, unfortunately, like I'm going through physical health issues too. And that also is, uh, they play it apart. Check, you know, be healthy. <laughs> if you're, if your body's not healthy, your mental state's not going to be healthy either. You know what I mean? They, y your mind is your body. Um, so I think it's very important to keep both intact. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm, that's why I'm saying like moving forward. I, I just like, I've, I'm, I was put on this earth to help people. And I know that, but like to what capacity, you know? When we come back more about the dark side of Hollywood and the darker side of social media. It is impossible to ignore the massive wave that the Me Too movement started in 2017. We all know now of the long-standing sexual assaults carried out by powerful people. Harvey Weinstein, the head of Amazon Studios Roy Price, the Olympic doctor Larry Nassar, NBC's Matt Lauer, Louis C.K. The perpetrators were mostly powerful men, and they usually preyed on younger women. But some of the less discussed and uncomfortable instances were with powerful men preying on young boys. Much like Harvey Weinstein's atrocious behavior was an open secret, the same was true for Kevin Spacey. Since actor Anthony Rapp called him out for making sexual advances towards him when he was just 14 years old, dozens of allegations have surfaced. Similarly, filmmaker Brian Singer, who made the X-Men films and Bohemian Rhapsody, had been accused of misconduct with young men as far back as 1997. No one was held accountable until recently. And even now, it's not clear if any real consequences 
will take shape. I won't go into too much detail, but I will just say in in the five years that I've been in LA, and I, I mean, this is just growing up, but I really do think it has everything to do with LA and the industry and um, also the gay community. Um, intention is everything and not everybody has the best intentions. Um, so unfortunately I had to learn that the hard way with a few people that I've, I've let into my circle. Um, and yeah, I was, I was proven that not everybody is good. With LA, it's like amplified because there's more at stake, right? You have fame and money, right? A lot at stake. So I, I feel like, especially people who have power, they can exploit it a lot more. Like if you're in Iowa and you're trying to work your way up a corporate ladder, they don't have as much pull as someone at NBC Universal or right. a huge studio with a lot of power that can make you right something. I there there there's just like some people in this industry have very malicious intent, and it's sad. I I'm I'm I pride myself in someone that like would that doesn't even think that way, but unfortunately, yes, a lot of people with power have terrible intent <laughs> how did you and react like when you realized that moment what was that moment I mean, it you was don't have to get specific, it was soul but. crushing it was it, it was soul crushing to to you know be again i'm not going to go into detail but like in in certain aspects i was getting taken advantage of and it's just unfortunate that people even go to that depth and people you know with fame and and success comes responsibility and when people don't use that in a good correct way a lot of people suffer from it although hollywood's history of predatory conduct has stained the entertainment industry the behavior of some execs isn't the only thing endangering the mental health of public figures and performers cancel culture is a form of a boycott in which the called out person is also thrust out of social or professional circles those individuals are said to be canceled. Sometimes it goes too far and the damage can be irreversible. Ooh, I just got chills. Something that's going on today that I that I fear and and some and it's a huge reason why I even stopped you know, making as much content as I used to and it honestly even made me fear fame a little bit. Um is cancel culture. Um you know, do I think it it helps? And works sometimes of course of course of course like black lives matter we didn't know that was an issue until people started calling it out and it made it made this huge you know social uh social movement you know we wouldn't have been able to know that on, without cancel culture thankfully but at the on the other end of the spectrum you're also we're also attacking people for a mistake they made 15 years ago that's not we're like we're, people are not allowing people to change and and apologize and grow from something. Also, life 15, 20 years ago was very different, very different. Even just the way people talk, even the way people, you know. I mean, we we even got Disney Plus with uh, this disclaimers before every movie now because things were just so different back then. Doesn't mean it was right ever. It can be difficult to navigate the lines between what was once okay and what was never okay. Do we have to view past problematic art and creators through a lens that acknowledges the problem but retains the value? 
or do we toss anything that doesn't withstand our 2019 standards? It isn't for the faint of heart. And so often, in a realm where you only have 240 characters max to express a thought, we tend to lose a lot of nuance. Gray areas just don't lend themselves to concision, and mob mentality is deeply ingrained in our minds. In 2008, a study conducted at Leeds University found that it takes a confident minority of just 5% to influence a crowd's direction. So, if we're likely to physically follow strangers just because they look like they know what they're doing, it's not a far leap to understand why we follow the loudest voices on the internet. And, we all know, it's a lot easier to be confident from behind a screen. Cancel culture goes so dark and so in-depth. Like, I started to feel I started to feel so negatively about cancel culture with the whole... Do you guys remember the Jake Paul situation? Or Logan Paul, with one of the Pauls? With the whole... He posted a video of him going into this forest in yes. Japan. Terrible. Why'd you even do that? Why'd you even post a video? I have my, you know, we all have our reasons to completely hate this uh, act that he did. But the thing that shook me to to my core was children on Twitter, 12, 13, 14 years old, wishing him to like die and to kill himself. That is, that is, that is so horrible. And I often feel you know, when people make this mistake and people react in such, you know, this uh, mob mentality way, like their words are almost more hurtful and, and worse than the crime itself. And people don't, people don't think, think like that. Like, I'm just always like, what, like, what, how, how can you even say that to somebody that you don't even know? Ugh, it just makes me sick. It just makes me sick because a, a lot of it is like children too and, you know, whatever. And it's just, it it just made, cancel culture just made it very scary to um, be yourself today. I mean, I think we're all walking on eggshells. I mean, we are. I, I, even me, like I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. And when someone's afraid to say the wrong thing, they're not actually learning anymore. It stops learning any anything. It's very important to educate yourself, but the minute you cancel someone, you're not allowing them to do. You're not allowing them to learn from this. Yeah, you completely canceled their whole career, and that's what's unfortunate. People's lives are changing overnight because from this of, because of cancel culture. I think social media is great in that it gives people a voice. Yep, but it gives them a voice and a really loud one. And you can say whatever you want. And it's not like when you tweet something, you could tweet the most horrific thing. Twitter isn't like, are you sure you want to send this? After you click send, it's like, bye, done. Right. right. So it, yeah, you're right. This is like a, an unprecedented time in history when you can, you can be no one and tomorrow you're famous. Yeah. Off of something you said or something, a video you posted. A bully you beat the shit out yeah. of. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I also think though that like, Social media kind of just like changed the way I was watching this like documentary on E or something. It was about social media and social media stars. And um, it was actually called, it was actually about fame addiction. They, they, they related addiction. No, they related fame to the same as like a drug addiction. Like when you get that little dose, it's like, you just crave more and more and more and more. And 
social media gave that to everybody. You know, the minute you get a few more followers or the minute you hit, you know, a mile, a mile marker, you hit that certain amount of likes. It's your body craves to get that validation again. And it wants more and more and more and more. So people are like acting crazy online <laughs> just for attention. And, you know, I, I did the same thing, but it's just interesting to look back and be like, what? I was posting shit I didn't like. I didn't. Well, who, that's not me. You know what I mean? Is it ever us? <laughs> but yeah, social media. What is it? Where is it going? This city, this industry, and just I think us as a generation now, it is very easy to lose yourself, and especially with how social media works. I'm. Social media gave me a job and a roof over my head. I'm very thankful for it. But social media also is what made me suffer. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the unpleasant parts of LA. Still, those early days as a fresh-faced transplant are magical. And even if the city loses some of its shine over time, it's still a place where you can find yourself and pursue your passions. Everything was just so cool. and. It still is. It's just my perspective changed. And that's just what happens. I mean, not only is that life, but it's also, yeah, LA can be really, really dark. And unfortunately, like it really shook me to my core because, <laughs> you know, I'm from the Midwest. I'm, I'm from a very normal scenery, you know, and normal people and more traditional which obviously for some people that doesn't work it didn't work for me but i just come from normal what what well, what's perceived as normal and since i grew up in that that was my normal and then i moved to la and everything is just so different i mean the people the culture i, I mean i came out when i moved here because i felt like i was you know launched into this world where i was like i felt like i was seen but then you know, the, the the longer I've lived here and this and that, and, you know, the more things that have happened to me here, it's just, yeah, you can lose yourself so easily here. And I, I really do think I did. And, um, you know, it's a very long process to find the way back to yourself. But I'm also very, very thankful for it because it gave me so much insight onto who I am, onto how I perceive other people and onto how I perceive the industry. And um, it's, yeah, it's really easy to get caught up in all the BS. Um, and it's all about just sticking true to yourself. There's so many people out here trying to be someone they're not. And I, I'll be honest, I was I was that guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I'm able to see that from afar and be like, no, find your roots and, and you know, keep, blossoming into this person you know you are and will continue to be and like grow and whatever when we come back young love coming out panic attacks and the frickin teen choice awards this is a quote from call me by your name uh that says did I want to be like him? Did I want to be him? Or did I want to just have him? 
And it's so interesting because when I was like in elementary school, I was like, you know, there were I was friends with guys and I, I, I weirdly felt like I wanted to be like them. And so I, I always thought that I was like, I want to be like them. And then like middle school ish era, it was, it then changed to, did I want, do I want to be him? Like I, I idolized people to the point where like I idolized straight men or something to the point where I was like, no, I want to be them. I want to be them. So I would like mimic, you know, it was such a lie. I mimicked like the way I talked, the way I dressed, the way I walked even. Um, and even just, it, it was just so toxic. I wasn't myself. And then kind of finding the way to myself and what I liked and this or that, you know, high school, early college years, it then was, or do I want to have him? So it, was, it wasn't until high school that I really looked at myself. I loved my alone time. But that's just how I process things. I have to process things alone and this or that. And, um, you know, when I met this one guy in high school, we just, we simply just became really good friends and then more stemmed from that. And I, I, I even remember the first time we had even like kissed or something. We were mortified. We didn't talk to each other for like a good week or two. He took it more harsh than me but it, it it was like such a emotional dramatic thing we were like we felt disgusted unfortunately and i don't know and then i guess i just i guess this the more time that we spent together the more we were feeling okay with it but um also we were such a secret and i think a part of me tried to hide the fact that we were a thing and I was trying to hide that side of myself and so I was living two lives I was completely living two lives in high school and it's it's just so unfortunate that I I even had to do that but it was also fun and it was my exploratory phase and um you know then I moved to college and I kind of put that on the back burner but then when I moved to LA at 19 I was surrounded by love and support. And I was surrounded by people like me and I was surrounded by, you know, this amazing community and really taught me to love myself and to accept that and that people are just like me and they are living amazing, happy lives and that it's just not something to be ashamed of. And so, um, although I wasn't out to my parents at the time, when I made my coming out video, I, I was like, panicking one night watching all of these um coming out videos gone wrong on youtube and it scared the living shit out of me and i was like i'm never gonna do it i'm just i'm not gonna do it and so i i for some reason the people that i was closest to it was the hardest to tell whereas like a stranger on the street it was so easy for me to say so i really clung on to acquaintances at the, during this time i really kind of like stepped away from close friends um, and so then I, you know, I texted my manager one night and I was like, I need to make this video. I don't know in what capacity or what way, but it needs to be about labels and it needs to express that we're just, we're all, we're all human. Like, why is it this huge thing that I don't know, 
I, I wanted to normalize it. I wanted to normalize coming out. I wanted to normalize the, yeah, it, just, just normalize it. And because it felt like it, it felt like the, it was just this huge thing that, you know, either people accept or don't. It's like, no, hold on. We're literally all the same. We're literally all human. And so the way I did my videos, I, I wanted everyone to present their label and, you know, have everyone's in the mix and just kind of, you know, let's celebrate our labels, of course, makes us who we are. But like, let's also not let our labels discriminate against each other. Um, we're all human with the same needs and desires, and that's how we should live. And so, yeah, I, that video was just my most proud moment of my career. And now I get to do really cool things because of it. Life's not about hiding, life is about living, and it's not easy to hide, nor should you ever hide, because the day that you're comfortable with yourself is the day you start living. Jordan published that video called Coming Out, I'm Gay, I'm Human in 2015. It now has more than 450,000 views on YouTube, and that's a pretty bold way to come out, especially since he wasn't even out to his family yet. So, when we were making the video, we were like on set for like, 10 hours it was something like it. it was a long day um i had a and I had, I had an amazing crew i had an amazing team that were so excited to do this i don't even know how I, i'm just very thankful that all these people came together and i got really cool people in it like frankie grande uh andrea russett like other influencers and um that i looked up to and um i remember it was halfway through the day it was it was time for me to go in the booth and record my voiceover that you hear in the video. And I wrote a script because I like, I need, I'm OCD and I need things to be my way and perfect. <laughs> um, and I need to know what it's going to be in the end. Um, and so, you know, I'm in the booth, I'm, I'm reading my script and um, my amazing friend Raymond Braun, who was working for Seventeen Magazine at the time, he stopped by and he came with me. He was super supportive and it was if it wasn't for him, this video wouldn't have been the way it is. The way it is. So he he came with me into this recording booth and he said, Jordan, let's ditch the script. I want to ask you some questions. So he started asking me some questions and I was saying things out loud that I'd never said before, ever, to anybody. And you know, thankfully I felt comfortable too. Once I left the sound booth, I then had a full-on panic attack and I almost shut down this whole entire video shoot. I like had to walk outside. Raymond followed me. He talked me out of it, but it, it, was, too, it was too real. It was too much. I had not even told a single person. So I wasn't ready. Um, and then kind of just seeing the seeing what i made and seeing the kind of people i got together and seeing that i this was such a big thing i really had to tell myself like this is for you but also this is also for so many other people this is this needs to happen this is important so i did it and i didn't call my parents until the day of before i posted it and unfortunately because my, my parents don't like to tell me these things Apparently, my mom was in the hospital for some, she has like 
she has all these issues. I won't get into detail, but she, she goes to the hospital a lot. So I get it. But she was in the hospital this time and my parents just magically didn't tell me. And I call them like to tell, to break the news. And my mom is like so high on drugs, like pain meds and whatever. But I was like, it's gonna, it's releasing in two hours. I have to say it. And it took me that whole two hours to even say it. How did your family react to it? You know, they were just beyond supportive. They, they didn't react. It's just they didn't react in a way that was anything different than saying anything else. It was very, it was very comfortable. And ever since then, they've they've just proven themselves to be just so amazing and so supportive. And they're literally the best. I'm so thankful for them. They're literally the best. And yeah, my whole family is too. Um, but yeah, that coming out, it was hard. It was really hard, but I'm very thankful I did it. And look at us now. I had to know, does he still keep in touch with his friend from high school? The one who helped him start the journey towards self-acceptance. Yeah, we keep in touch. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Shush. <laughs> um, I'm very... I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is healthy, but if I've ever loved you or or you know what is love, but if I've ever felt close to that or you know yada yada yada, it is very hard for me to get rid of you in my life because we we shared so much and it's just hard for me to leave a person that knows so much about me because there's, you know, I, I don't share myself to everybody. So thankfully I've never had, well, okay. Never is a strong word, but thankfully most of the people I've ever maybe felt love to, I always left it on good terms and thankfully can still catch up and update each other and stuff like that. And I think that's really healthy and that's a really strong and mature thing to do. It only, not everybody can do it. I, I need that because like I said, you know, everything about me <laughs> and yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm never regretful of anybody I've ever met ever. You know, things might not work out. Things might get nasty or whatever, but I never regret anybody I met because people come into your lives to teach you something, whether it's, about people or about them or about you. And it's mostly you. People come to teach you something about you. Um, I think the people you kind of surround yourself with or and or date is a reflection of what's going on with you. So, you know, you attract what you also are. We talked about the good and the bad of Hollywood and social media. There's also the same duality in taking the leap to leave home and pursue your dreams. There was a time when I lost sight of what I was meant to do and what I even liked to do. I didn't really know what I liked to do. And I just lost my, I lost my, I, I, I got off, I got off the rails, the track. And I was like, so lost, so anxious. I went broke. Um, and I didn't know who I was. And um, yeah, that would, I would say that was like a year ago. Um, yeah, I was like, dude, I was like being, I was very unhealthy at the time too, like just partying a lot. And um, 
yeah, just very lost. I don't know. But the way out of the way the way out of it is like I really like tapped into what do I like to do? And so that's when I did I did hairspray. I did a hair like a lo- local theater of hairspray and I was Link and that really helped me be like, bitch, you love to perform. You love to entertain. You love to, you love to entertain. That show, I didn't get paid. I didn't it was it was just for fun. It was just for me. And I that's the thing. It was like I just needed to it was a passion thing. And I think we need to find more ways to implement that into our daily routine, like passion. Find your passion for things. If you hate your job, you're going to hate yourself. Like <laughs> you got to find a way to have that balance. Like whether it's going to the gym or learning a hobby or or music or this or that. If you're not putting those in your you know daily or even weekly schedules you're gonna you're gonna lose track of what you were meant to do too jordan hasn't lost track of what he wants to do and we were able to pry out his super secret plans for his brand new super secret project um i'm okay there's just a lot like i'm work i'm working on i don't know i'm it's a secret a secret uh, okay fine give I'll a just, taste i'm you had a lot of secrets in this podcast jordan <laughs> I'm working on um, creating a bunch more uh, content, but very specific to my desires. And so like I've, I've been trying to tap into the musical theater world. I'm trying to write a musical. Don't know how that's going to be, but there is going to be some kind of ele- like musical theater live element um, and some some form of writing. So whether that's a musical but I don't know. But that's what I am working on. He also recently released a video with a beautiful rendition of Waving Through a Window from the Tony Award winning musical Dear Evan Hansen. Which is my favorite freaking show of all time. If you have a chance to see it, go see it. It's amazing. It's all about mental health. There's literally so many stories in one story. Like there's so many there's so many elements that y- y'all are gonna relate to. So go see it. It's beautiful and it's well done. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for that musical, like I wouldn't have been so, I've always loved theater, but like that musical changed the game for me. So I posted a cover of it and it inspired me to want to do more of those a and B to get going on my own thing. Where can everyone follow you? Um, they can follow me on like pretty much everything, um, with the name Jordan Dow, two W's. What's your real name? <laughs> Very Polish. Jordan Dawodzinka. But okay, growing up, everyone was always like, how do you say your last name? Like teachers would say Jordan Dawodowski. And literally, if you look at my last name and then I you, you hear it, it's so easy to not only spell, but to read. <laughs> when you fall in a forest and there's nobody around, do you ever really crash or even make a sound? When you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around, do you ever really crash or even make a sound? Did I even make a sound? Did I even make a sound? It's like I never made a sound. Will I ever make a sound?
Thanks for listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have to clap. Um.